Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband, and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from the Micmac Burial Grounds discussing the 1989 supernatural horror film Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery was directed by Mary Lambert while the screenplay was written by Stephen King. He adapted the screenplay from his novel of the same name. This movie takes cues from its source material by blending real life grief and horror with supernatural elements. What did you guys think about Pet Cemetery the first time you saw it? Uh, I watched this movie a lot as a kid, so I kind of I like it a little more than I should. I agree. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I really like the movie. I know it's not perfect, but it's it's a good movie. I remember watching this movie as a kid. It didn't really stick to my bones like a lot of other Stephen King adaptations we saw Mm -hmm. as children. I never didn't like it, but I feel like oddly this time around, I liked it a little less than I remember. Mm. I actually surprised myself by somewhat being a little disappointed by it. Huh. I agree with you, John Paul, that I and it did stick with me when we were kids. Like yeah. I loved this movie. It was like a staple. I would yeah. go back. I I can't even say how many times I've seen this movie. But growing up and then reading the book, mm-hmm. I'm like, damn. It's like <laughs> it's a little surprising to me that it's Stephen King that adapted the screenplay because there's <laughs> so much that we don't get, like whole characters that are left out, and like a lot of character development that we don't see that being said i still love this movie because i mean i probably always will i Mm -hmm. have since i was a kid but and of course it's me so i'm going to be talking about stuff from the book later (laughs) on but of course um yeah i feel like a lot more could have been done which is even more disappointing by the fact that to me the reboot was I know you hated it. I never Ooh. watched it. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I went to the theater. <laughs> I, I was like, I should have just seen us again because I was, I was pretty disappointed. There's a massive contingent of fans I know. who do like the remake more than the original. Can't comment because I haven't seen it. Right. All I know mm-hmm. is that one element from the novel, which I also haven't read, right. um, <laughs> is lacking in this version of the film. It's a supernatural element. While there is a supernatural element, the cause of it and the meaning behind it is completely missing in the movie. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just my personal feelings about how cool I think the old native supernatural being of the Wendigo is. Oh, yeah. But if you have a reason to put the Wendigo in something, you put the Wendigo in there. (laughs) You don't write around the Wendigo. No. I think we were talking before, and the only thing I can really think of modern-wise that has utilized it is Until Dawn. Yeah. And I'm like, I want more Wendigo. Like, give me more Wendigo. So the fact that Stephen King wrote about it in the novel and And, then didn't use it for the film is strange to me. We have Wendigos in Fallout 76. (laughs) But we just kill them. We don't really. Yeah, it's not. Fair Fair enough, fair enough. But I I find it interesting that the book itself was written about two real-life circumstances that had happened in Stephen King's life. Mm -hmm. The death of his daughter's cat and him barely catching his son before his son ran out into the road and having nightmares about it over and over and over again. And that ended up becoming... Pet cemetery, and you see very easily, uh, absolutely those two and events. It was shelved, just like he had done with Carrie before that. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to publish it, which is insane. <laughs> but reading the book, it's one of the one of my favorite things that he's ever written. It's not really mentioned along with the stand and like the big no, ones, it's not. but 
it's incredible. And so I would advise anybody that hasn't read the book to read it, but we're here to talk, <laughs> talk about, about the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I did read that he said that of all of his stories, I guess you could say, Pet Cemetery is one that personally affects him the most. And I can definitely see why. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. One thing I did find interesting is that the movie is directed by Mary Lambert. Mm -hmm. And before this, she was mainly known for directing music videos. Yeah. Like it, almost like a, I think David Fincher was kind of the same way where That's it was music crazy. videos and then they just launch into this thing. Stephen King personally chose her because of how much she not only related to the material, but understood what he was going for with it. Hmm. Originally, I read for, on, I think it was IMDb or Wikipedia, George Romero bought the rights to Pet Cemetery for $10,000 and he hmm. was going to make it. That <laughs> that would be crazy. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> But somehow it fell through with scheduling and then so Stephen King kind of went out on the search and I think Mary Lambert was the first person he talked to and was immediately blown away by her and he chose her. Hmm. Personally, I would like to see how that would have turned out. George Romero's yeah, Pet Cemetery. Yeah. yeah, I'd watch it. <laughs> well, yeah. Now, before we bury this film in sour ground, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's run into the road. So the film opens panning across a really rough looking pet cemetery. Oh, yeah. With the voices of children honoring their lost pets. Mm -hmm. An eerie choir sings as we get close ups on the like homemade crosses. We get a close up on a grave for a dog named Spot. And then it pans out and we see the misspelled sign pet cemetery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought the intro was interesting mm -hmm. and it it fit pretty well. No, yeah. I liked oh, it a lot. Yeah. I will say that some people obviously love their pets more than others with <laughs> what they were saying. Yeah. One, one person was like, he cost 50 bucks. I don't know what you want. <laughs> what am from I supposed me? to say? <laughs> yeah. I did notice, and I had told her the other day when we were watching it or when I watched it for the show. The music sounded really familiar to me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I know I've heard this somewhere before. And I'm not saying it's exactly the same, <laughs> but it sounds like the Amityville horror movie from the, Just... the 79 version. And I was like, man, it sounds real. I was like, oh. I, was I didn't like, even that. catch that myself. Yeah. It and sounds I, that, cool, though. Yeah. No, it sounds real good, but that's another movie to me that I love a lot, too. Right. Because I've watched that movie over and over. So uh, you would but, know it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was. I was scrolling through, and I was like, damn. Where? And I stopped there, and I was like, I think this is what it is, and it was, but... That sucks. But I agree with you. The opening is, is yeah, good. Yeah, it's good. So the next thing we see is a speeding Orinco truck hauling ass yeah. past a house that says sold. Behind the truck, the Creed family car pulls up, and it has a doctor bumper sticker yeah. on it. <laughs> it's a little weak ex exposition. <laughs> yeah. You know? A doctor's driving this exactly. car. Exactly. The house is nice. Oh, oh yeah, no, it yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate that they have to live next to the main road like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of... That sucks. Did the, the, the realtor not... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as we know in the film, trucks are going down that road Constantly. all hours of... Yeah, so all day, all night. They couldn't have shown the house and be like, in this three-bedroom, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're like, I don't like, know what all these yeah. trucks are doing. Yeah. This never this is, happens. Yeah. They get out of the car and their daughter, Ellie, played by Blaze and Bo Berdahl, 
is thrilled. She immediately starts doing flips and yeah. runs and jumps on a tire swing that's already in the yard. There's some poor editing here because she does a cartwheel and her hat falls off and yep. in the immediate the immediate next <laughs> yeah. shot she's running with her hat on. I it's noticed a magic that too. Hat. Yes. I noticed that. I, she's Rose the Hat. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie the hat. Yeah. So the dad, Lewis, played by Dale Midkiff, and his wife, Rachel, played by Denise Crosby, get out of the car and he asks her what she thinks about the house and she's pleased. But I thought it was odd that she's never seen this house before. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I, yeah, I didn't even touch that. I'm like, that. okay. Uh, like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I mean, we live here now. So. Yeah, a little late for that. I guess it has to be fine. Rachel goes to take their baby Gage, played by Miko Hughes, out of his car seat, and Ellie from the tire swing notices a path leading into the woods. Her parents tell her to be careful on the swing, and she immediately falls <laughs> and yeah. is yeah. devastated. <laughs> they leave Gage alone, both of them, to go tend to Ellie, and he looks at their cat, Church, who's in a carrier in the back of the car. So I'm sorry, dude. Gage is so young. He's a baby. Are yeah. we really going to both of us? First yeah. of all, you're a doctor, Lewis. You go check you go, on her. Yeah. I'll be here with Gage because he's uh, barely not an infant anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought that was a little strange that they just set him on the floor and were like, all right, wander <laughs> off. You're on your yeah, own. Yeah. <laughs> so another Arinko truck zooms by and Gage waves at it. And as it goes past, he starts walking toward the road. Lewis diagnoses Ellie with a skin knee, and Rachel notices. <laughs> Diagnosis. <laughs> He's a doctor. He needed all yeah. of his expertise. <laughs> Rachel notices another approaching truck and is like, Where's Gage? Gage is in the road. <laughs> they run over to him, but a man snatches him up just before the truck gets close. The man is their neighbor, Judd, played by Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn in this movie is so fantastic. He is the movie. He to really me. is. Yeah. Honestly, he's got yeah. this like folksy charm and seems like such a genuine yeah. person. I, I mean, honestly, even when I read the book, that's Judd in my mind. <laughs> I can like, see that it, for sure. He embodies him so perfectly. So they thank Judd for saving their child's life. <laughs> and he tells them that they need to watch out for the road because, like we said, those trucks go by all day and most of the night and they need to be careful. He already knows that Lewis moved here to be the campus doctor for the university. Mm -hmm. And like, if you look around, they're the only two houses. I was going to ask around. you about that yeah. because there are no neighbors. No. There's literally basically nobody else in this movie for no. the most part, <laughs> at least in this yeah. town. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's very odd to me. And also the fact that he knows he's going to be the doctor. Yeah. Which he kind of seems in his own little world across the street, but he's plugged in enough. Yeah. To, I mean, to be I don't connected. know. Maybe he asked the realtor Probably. or something. So I saw you saw that house. There. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel asked Judd about the path that Ellie saw. And he's like, oh, I'll take you down there and tell you the story. But not right now. <laughs> In due time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rachel takes the kids inside and Judd tells Lewis that it's good to see people in the house again. And then he goes home. Later that night, Rachel checks on the kids and they're both asleep. Ellie is sleeping with the cat Church. Outside, Lewis is inspecting that path by the tire swing, and I guess they fixed the tire swing because yeah, it's, it's back yeah, up. Totally, yeah. Um, and Church jumps into the tree and scares the shit out of him. How the fuck did this happen? <laughs> because I, I rewound it and I checked when Rachel said goodnight to Ellie, the window was closed, and then she shut the door. This cat just defies he all. He can open yeah, doors. I, I, 
Physics. Why would you close the door with the cat in there? Also true. What if he needs to use the bathroom? Unless yeah, the cat box is in there. Ew. I don't know, man. <laughs> it is her cat. That They make that very yeah. clear throughout yeah, the movie. Yeah, they do. But the other thing is that this is the exact jump scare that I always rail against. Yeah. Literally a cat. A cat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like falling into the scene. I did notice that earlier when they were asking about the path there was no rocks along it it was just a bare path but now that he sees it (laughs) there's a line of rocks on each side and it's a clear like path path it's it's really weird i don't know why you better spruce that because there's people in the house (laughs) who's they i don't know Across the street, as another Orinco truck speeds by, Lewis sees Judd sitting out on his porch. He joins him. Judd gives him a beer, and another truck speeds by. It's unbelievable, yeah. dude. This is not a it's place. It's constant. No. Judd tells him that this is a mean road, and it uses up a lot of animals. The path that they saw leads to the pet cemetery, and the reason that the pet cemetery is there is because of this road. Yeah. yeah. It's very funny to me because at this point in the movie, 99% of the dialogue has been about that road. So (laughs) even if you know nothing about this movie, you know it's going to eventually be very important. (laughs) Lewis tells Judd about church and Judd's like, well, you better get him fixed. So he's less likely to wander out into the road because sooner or later his luck's going to run out. And Lewis is like, yeah, I'll take that under advisement. Which, and that's a direct quote, which is kind of a shitty, yeah. yeah. But then they toast each other and I guess everything's fine. Is this when he says to Lewis that he was basically pleased to see he didn't need a glass for his beer? Yes. That was odd to me too. Like, would that make him less of a... You're all right. I didn't understand that. I don't know. I figured it was a guy thing. I'm a guy. And I I drink beer. I don't open a bottle or a can and then pour it into a glass. I don't... (laughs) I didn't get that. Well, then Judd would like you. Yeah, you guys could be friends. Well, good. So the next day, Lewis is in the house with the kids and their part-time housekeeper, I guess. Right. Missy Dandridge leaves with laundry just as Rachel comes home with groceries. And Missy takes this moment to overshare. A lot. She wishes that she had married a doctor like Rachel so that he could help her with their stomach pain. But she never married anyone. And then she leaves. (laughs) So they can afford a housekeeper, but they can't afford to buy their daughter a bed frame because she was sleeping on a mattress on the floor. Am I supposed? Okay, (laughs) I was confused by this character. Is this somebody from? No, it can't be because they came from Chicago. So they've already hired a housekeeper in the span of the day day that they've lived there. Yeah, I don't really. I just didn't understand what the fuck she was saying. Her stomach hurts. Yeah, something about. (laughs) Yeah, that's the. Something about her being constipated or something. Yeah. I don't know. So I want to marry a doctor and I can't take a shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, have a good day. These are my two character traits. So at another point, I guess, Judd is leading the creeds down that path. They come to the sign, the big misspelled pet cemetery sign, and Ellie asks Rachel what it says. And Rachel reads it for her, but she's already clearly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Is it mentioned in the book why cemetery is misspelled? Is it because kid, the kids? kids made okay. it, yeah. So that makes sense. So many of their pets died that they put that cemetery together. So it's just a oh, child spelling. Okay. Did the parents just not give a shit? I guess. Like, <laughs> bury your dog. I don't Figure it out. It. I gotta make dinner. <laughs> they're hanging out at that gravesite again. <laughs> 
They go inside and Judd says that this place is something good that came from the road. And Rachel does not agree. Uh, And she snaps at him. She does. Yeah. Judd says that the kids, you know, they have to learn about death somehow, basically. And Rachel's like, why? Well, it's (laughs) It's important. Yeah, it sucks, but it is. It is. Judd just lights a cigarette and he's like, yeah. It's like, whatever, dude. So Rachel goes to take Gage from Lewis, and Judd looks at Lewis like, this bitch. Like, well, he, But then Lewis looks at Judd like, it's a living. Sh- <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just an odd moment exchanged. He shrugs like, I don't fucking know, yeah. man. Judd tells Ellie that not all of these animals were killed by the road. As you go closer to the center, the stones get older and harder to read, but he shows her where he buried his dog, Spot, in 1924. Spot died of old age, and we see the stone is the same one that we saw from the beginning. Right. He explains to Ellie that this graveyard isn't scary. It's where the dead rest and they can speak. He starts it scary, though. He's yeah. like, this is where the dead speak. She's and Ellie's like, oh, like, oh, shit. <laughs> can we go home, please? <laughs> Before the scene ends, we get another shot of the cemetery and a huge stack of like dead trees mm-hmm. and and sticks behind yeah. it. And we hear like eerie wind. Mm-hmm. Later that night, Ellie asks Lewis what happens when Church dies and they have to bury him, which is a natural conclusion for a kid to make after yeah. being, being at a, a pet, pet cemetery. cemetery. He tries to reassure her that Church is fine. And she's like, he won't be in the end, which is like, fuck, she's Damn. right. <laughs> Can't lie there. Yeah. Rachel is just listening from the kitchen. Lewis tells Ellie that if he made the rules, Church would live to be 100 years old. And Ellie's like, well, God makes the rules. And if he wants a cat, he can get his own cat, but he can't have my cat. (laughs) Which is what Stephen King's daughter told him when her cat died. Which is like, it's it's so sad. But she completely breaks down. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The next thing we see is Rachel tucking Ellie into bed and Church is in there with her again. I will say, though, Ellie breaking down at that was very relatable for me because I often get very upset about things that have not happened yet. (laughs) So I was like, I get this kid. I get this kid. The next morning, Ellie's worried about going to a new school and Rachel's reassuring her they're having breakfast. Uh, Lewis comes in with Church in a carrier and Ellie goes, I don't want Church to get his nuts cut. Mm. (laughs) You're like, where did you... (laughs) (laughs) She apparently learned the term from Missy Dandridge and everybody laughs. Mm. Lewis says that the road is more dangerous than church having an operation and that he'll be the same after he just won't want to go in the road anymore. Ellie asked him to promise that church is going to be okay. And he hesitates. But Rachel's like, no, promise her. So he does me. Yeah, Yeah, that's not okay. I'm very glad that Lewis gets angry about that because that really is a pretty fucked up thing, dude. No, Lewis is clearly pissed off. And as he's leaving, he's like, well, something does happen to church. (laughs) You can explain it to him. (laughs) Yeah. Which it's, I mean, it's fair. You really shouldn't promise a child something like that because yeah. you can't. You have no, you can't no, deliver. and he it's said, not up to you. He said it's rare, but it's a one in like a thousand yeah, shot. And if that fucking happens. Yeah. So as Lewis leaves to go to work, he runs into Missy, who is coming back with their laundry that she washed. Mm-hmm. She's still having stomach pains. And he's like, well, I'll look at it for you. And she goes, no, it'll get better. And then goes away. <laughs> so it was in this scene for me that I realized that the actor who plays Lewis is so wooden. He's flat. There is no 
there is nothing there's no way into this character this character is the script page <laughs> no you're not wrong and it really bothered me because i read on imdb that the first person that they considered for this role was bruce campbell no <laughs> I I would have loved to see Bruce Campbell oh, because no. then it's at least a fucking character that I can relate to and like because Bruce Campbell can act. I just would have liked somebody at a halfway point between cardboard Lewis Creed and madman Jack Torrance. Like <laughs> somewhere in the middle. These are the only two emotions this dude has. Either he doesn't give a shit at all or he's insane. Yeah. And that's why I said, you know, because Bruce Campbell is the kind of actor that can make a character likable just by playing them. Uh, he he would have more of a personality. No, that's undeniable. And I love Bruce Campbell. I always have. But seeing him from Evil Dead and everything else he's done, it's like, I don't know if he fits this. You know what I mean? I, I would mean, have been just... intrigued. Could you imagine a different universe where it's George Romero's oh, Pet Cemetery man, starring, starring Bruce, Bruce Campbell? Campbell? Yeah. <laughs> All I got to say... Any other potential actors aside, this dude does not do it for me. Not at all. He's very. I mean, he's flat. not the greatest, but I mean, it's all. Right. I I don't know. I was like, eh, it's all right. <laughs> Even as things get weirder, he's just like, I'm yeah, here. No, yeah, no, I'm just living he's, it. He was there. For I didn't the ask Jackman. for it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So Rachel comes outside, and her and Lewis kind of make peace. They kiss, and she engage, wave goodbye to him, and he goes off to his first day. As the university doctor. Mm -hmm. Well, immediately after this, we see a commotion and someone with their head seemingly bashed in. His brain's hanging out. Yes. It looks really good. No, it looks no, great. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, it does. He's been hit by a truck and is being carried in by a large group into the campus infirmary. Lewis starts working on him and tells the staff to call an ambulance, even though everyone there knows that it's not going to do any oh, good. Yeah. They all close the curtain and leave, and by the time they all clear out, the man, who is Victor Pascal, played by Brad Greenquist, is already dead. Lewis closes Pascal's eyes, and we get a really cool shot of blood running down yeah. his exposed brain. It looks really good. good. Suddenly, Pascal wakes up and grabs Lewis, and with intense eye contact, he tells him, the soil of a man's heart is stonier, Lewis. And Lewis is like, how do you know my name? <laughs> Not what I'd be asking no. right now. Yeah, no. <laughs> Victor says that he will come to him and he smiles and then he dies again. So you knew that Pascal was going to come back to life because he was there breathing the entire scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you knew he wasn't done. But my thing is, does this happen to Lewis a lot? Because he was like, how do you know my name? Not nurse. He's alive. Yeah. Or anything. You know, there was no. He's like, this is the third one this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it was just odd. So that night, we get a shot of the camera going over a fence, up to the second floor window of the Creed house, and then over Lewis, who's sleeping in his bed. A loud crash wakes him up, and Pascal is there in all his bloody glory, leaning up against the doorframe. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he's like, we got places to go. <laughs> and then he disappears. Lewis looks at Rachel, who's still sleeping, and Pascal is suddenly right next to him. Oh, yeah, he's in his face. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Say, do you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, come on. Yeah, shit. He walks down the hallway, and then Lewis follows him. It struck me as odd because Lewis is sleeping in scrubs. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I read about that, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> they filmed it from the novel. He's just in like his he's boxers in his underwear. or whatever. Yeah. But after they filmed it, either the producer or the director was like, mm, no, this is too sexy. <laughs> so, what the yeah. And so they had to reshoot he was it. sleeping. <laughs> yes, I know. 
they had to reshoot it with him in some kind of clothes, and I guess they decided on his scrubs. I don't know. Maybe that was all they had on set. <laughs> like, we don't have time put, to get him his pajamas. Put something on this man. Yeah, but I thought that was just I, so weird. Does he like wake up and pour water on himself? And he's, I, like, oh, man. It's slow motion. Gotta follow this ghost. Yeah, like, like, what the fuck? Why is he speaking uh, down uh, uh, to the audience? But anyway, he's wearing scrubs. <laughs> yeah. So Pascal tells Lewis that he wants to help him because Lewis had tried to help him. Mm-hmm. Lewis is like, I don't like this dream. And Pascal's like, bro, you're not <laughs> dreaming. <laughs> and the next shot, Lewis is following Pascal down that path and everything is super foggy. At the pet cemetery, Pascal introduces it as a place where the dead speak, which is exactly what Judd had said earlier. Mm-hmm. Lewis starts freaking out, and Pascal tells him not to go to the place where the dead walk, no matter how much he feels like he has to. And he points to that pile of trees and sticks and whatever mm-hmm. that's behind the cemetery. And at that point, it illuminates itself in yeah. like this weird blue light. Oh, I like that a lot. No, yeah. yeah. I <laughs> yeah. thought that was cool. Lewis keeps crying and saying he wants to wake up. And he lays down on the ground and is like, it's not my fault you died. It's like he literally said he's trying to help <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, he never said, you killed no. me, Lewis. <laughs> it was never about You're that. You're not uh, listening to a word that he's saying. No. Pascal starts floating away and says that the barrier wasn't meant to be crossed and that the ground beyond is sour. We get this like major close up on Lewis's face and then the sun lights on him and we hear birds chirping. When the camera zooms out again, he's back in his bed. It's the morning and Rachel is calling to him from downstairs. But when he takes his blankets off to get up, (laughs) his feet are filthy with mud and grass. Mm -hmm. He just puts the sheets in the laundry. (laughs) He's like, I don't don't need to tell anyone about this. Let's not make a big deal out of it. All right. I'll just wash my feet. (laughs) At work, he looks at Victor Pascal's file and throws it in the trash. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. You're supposed to do that with medical records. Just because you're feeling some type of way? You can't just do that. You can't just throw... (laughs) So back at the Creed house, Ellie takes down a Halloween decoration and puts up a Thanksgiving one, you know, so that you know that time has passed. (laughs) Rachel comes downstairs, uncomfortable with the fact that she's taking the kids to Thanksgiving at her parents' house and Lewis is going to be here all by himself. We kind of get the feeling at this point that Lewis and her parents don't really get along, but Mm -hmm. again, we don't really get any reason why but he says it in such an expository way he's Mm -hmm. like oh well you know me and your parents don't get along or whatever it's like we know we both know that yeah i don't know that i'm an audience member you know (laughs) explain why or you know something at least have something to set this up Uh, that's why to me to your point you said in the intro about it feeling so weird that stephen king himself wrote this at points it doesn't feel right yes to me especially in moments like this this almost feels like the spark notes version of pet cemetery no, you're not you're not wrong. You know, the way that they're just moving through it so quickly right. and not really explaining a lot. It's like, "Oh, well, you should already, you know the base mark. Let's uh Yeah. Yeah, we'll fill in the blank. <laughs> just to make, get you a B on yeah. the test." Yeah, I was about to say that's not going to be on the test. No. It's fine. <laughs> so, presumably they leave, but later on, Judd calls to tell Lewis that there's a dead cat on his lawn and he's pretty sure that it's church. 
Lewis goes across the street after stopping for another Orinko to pass. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it is church. You think he's regretting living there yet? Fuck, I would. <laughs> yeah. That first day when my kid almost got creamed on the road, yeah. I'd be like, this was, I made a huge mistake. There, you know, and with all the pets they said have died, there should be on record a class action lawsuit against Orinko. <laughs> there should <laughs> be. <laughs> why has no one done anything I don't about know. this? They why had to build is, an entire cemetery. Why is there no fences? I don't know. Something. You know just what I mean? flat yeah. out to the road. And a busy one at that. Yeah. And where are these pets coming from? Because there's no other houses That's around. That's a good point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I never thought about that. Judd's like, right about children? 30 cats. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I didn't think about that. Judd says, it looks like Church didn't suffer, but Lewis is like, Ellie is going to suffer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He literally has to peel Church off of the frozen grass, Oof. and he puts them in a trash bag. He says he'll put him in the garage and then bury him in the morning. And Judd looks like he wants to say something, but instead he's just like, well, are you going to tell Ellie? Lewis says he'll probably just tell her that he hasn't seen Church when she calls so he doesn't spoil the holiday. Judd says, maybe there's a better way. And this will come up later because I have some points to make here. Mm -hmm. But what we learned from Judd later, and especially some of the things that he says word for word, him even bringing this up is very wrong and fucked up. Yeah, I I thought that too. I was like, you earlier or you know saying yeah. something. Now you want to take this dude over there? Yeah, I was like I don't I don't understand. You are absolutely right. Okay, <laughs> and this is another instance where it is so much more fleshed out in the book. Okay, but just well, hold on. Put a bookmark in that. Put a yes, <laughs> a literal bookmark because we are going to talk about that. Cool. Judd and Lewis are suddenly at the pet cemetery and Lewis is like, all right, well, where are we going to bury him? Judd's like, oh, no, we're going over there, which is the exact place that Pascal had pointed to in the dream. Mm-hmm. So immediately I'd be like, I'm wait not. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah I would have. I would have asked. I would have been like, wait, tell me what's over there before we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lewis says that they're going to hurt themselves climbing over there. And Judd's like, no, I've been I've been up there a time or two. But that's weird, too. It is. <laughs> And Lewis is just like, all right. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Judd tells him to just follow him. Don't stop and don't look down. But Judd is hauling ass. He is. A branch breaks and Lewis comes tumbling after, but Judd (laughs) helps him. Just as they're about to reach their destination, there's a creepy rumbling sound and a screeching. And Judd's like, it's a loon. No, it is not a loon. That wasn't a loon. This is what I'm saying is this is exactly the point where they could have injected something about the Wendigo. Because that's that's the fucking... Yes. (laughs) I mean, he could have even said, you know, around these parts, there's a legend. A lot of people like to say... Exactly. Instead, they're just like, ooh, this hike is rough, huh? (laughs) We're going all the way up here? Talking about nothing. And this is an incredible hike that they go on. No, it's insane. The next scene when you see them like on the side of a mountain and shit. Like, is this I was like, are they in a quarry? (laughs) Yeah, I don't... Why is this movie called Pet Cemetery when they're not even (laughs) dealing with it? Yeah, I I noticed that too. I was kind of like, they're not even... No. no. (laughs) It's like the bridge to where they need to go. It's like, we're going to pass this pet cemetery. We're really going to go away. We're going over over there. But we'll call it Pet Cemetery. (laughs) So after they climb up that mountain quarry situation, they're at their destination. Lewis asks where they are, and Judd explains that this was a burial ground for the Mi'kmaq Native Americans, and I'd be like, check, please. I don't want to fuck with any of this. But it's such a cliche, isn't it? I mean, again, 
What medium do you know at this point in time in 1989 that has been talking about the Wendigo, right? And instead <laughs> they're like, the Wendigo. yes, I'm going to make a t-shirt. But <laughs> instead they're like, well, let's just go on the old trope of an Indian burial well, ground. Uh, to be fair, in the book, there's a conjunction. It's it's both. both. Okay. So they it, this wasn't just made for the movie. But no, okay. yeah, I agree with you. Bring back yes, the Wendigo. Especially when it's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, Poltergeist has a Native American burial yeah. ground. Like so many films do something different. Yeah, that's fair. Well, we pan out and see a wide area with large circles surrounding smaller ones all made of rocks. When Lewis asks why they're burying church there, Judd just says that he has his reasons. That wouldn't be enough for yeah, him. But no. it's enough for well, him. Uh, well, he has no personality. He's like, so you have a shovel? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I put him? Yes. Lewis has to do it alone, though, while Judd goes to smoke, and he tells them each buries his own. Lewis gets to work, and when he hits the ground, it sparks. Judd lights a cigarette and just watches him. Yeah. Did he Suddenly, say the ground was thin or the ground is flint? Thin. Because it takes... Lewis, all goddamn yeah, all no day, all I, yeah. day. So. I have that in my notes. So I was like, damn, yeah. he was digging all day. I was for a cat. Yes, no, yeah. yeah. To that point, the sign is suddenly setting, and yeah. Judd is lighting another cigarette. Then it is full on night, and Lewis is finally filling in the small hole. Yes, and they walk back with fog all over the trail. I love that. Oh yeah, it just looks awesome. As they're coming back to the house, Lewis and Judd start running as they hear Lewis's phone ringing, and he barely misses it when he picks it up. From outside, Judd tells Lewis not to mention a word to anyone about what they did tonight. <laughs> Lewis is like, what did we do tonight? I would have asked that before I dig the hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the timing is a little off. Judd says it's a secret. That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> And he is so fantastic in this role. When he talks, you are leaned all the way in. Like, Every... what, what, like, tell me. He says that women are supposed to be the ones good at keeping secrets, but any woman will tell you that they've never seen inside a man's heart because a man's heart is stonier, like that soil. Now, we all know that that's what Pascal said. Mm -hmm. The movie bothers me at points like this because it doesn't just let moments be. Are you talking about how it flashes to <laughs> yes. Pascal after it he shows says a it? flash of Pascal to be like, remember? Yeah. <laughs> and then the music gets ominous too. It's like, no, we remember. Yeah. Give us a little this credit. happened five minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't yeah, a mini series. Yeah, we remember him warning him. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Lewis looks scared and Judd leaves, but he waits for another Orinko to pass before he can cross the street. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Judd's like, why do I live here? <laughs> <laughs> Lewis calls Ellie, and the first thing she does is ask about church. He says he's sure he's fine, but he hasn't seen him tonight. She tells him to put church in the cellar so he doesn't run out into the road, and I would probably burst into tears at that point. Yeah, gotta go. Yeah, Lewis just looks sad, yeah. like genuinely sad. Ellie puts Gage on the phone, and Gage keeps saying, hi, daddy, I love you, and Lewis doesn't say shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this should be switched because he should be not really nervous about talking to Ellie right now. Yeah. But he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to lie to my daughter. And then his son's like, I love it. And he's like, oh, like, nothing. 
Answer your son. Yeah, it it feels like something was cut out of there. Or you're like you're there probably right. Because the scene just ends. Yeah. No, it's over. Yeah. And then, like you're saying, the little boy keeps saying, you know, I love you, daddy, yeah. I love you. And he's just kind of like looking off into space. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what happened? I don't. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> it's just weird. Well, in the morning, Lewis is outside raking leaves, if you want to call it that, because he doesn't do shit. Dude, no. <laughs> and then the... he puts the rake away. <laughs> What I, I I considered, I was like, well, maybe he's like, they're gone for a week. I'll just space out this chore over the the entire week. Because he rakes a little bit and he's like, whoo, my dogs are barking. And he just leaves. He does. He looks at it. I'm not doing this. (laughs) Tomorrow. Tomorrow. He goes to put the rake back in the garage and Church is in there. Church screeches at him and Lewis screams and falls. And Church is like, I'm out and just runs outside. Lewis coaxes Church with cat food and then grabs him to inspect him. He's dirty and there's dried blood in his fur. He picks him up and he's like, you stink. Which it's like, come on. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I will say they did the impossible for me, which was to make a cat frightening. Oh, yeah. Because Church looks horrifying looks when off. you first see him. Yeah. And the sound of the screech is so loud that it gets you. Yeah. It does. He says that Church chewed his way out of the grave Church scratches him in the face for his trouble and then runs off. (laughs) Suddenly, Lewis is at Judd's house, which is, that's the first place I would go to. Mm -hmm. Judd brings in beers and Lewis says that he keeps trying to convince himself that they buried Church alive. And Judd is like, his head was backwards and you had to peel him off the ground. He was dead. Lewis is like, well, I'm not a vet, but so, I mean, he's like, I don't know. I'm like, you're you don't a have to be a, yeah, yeah. His eyes were open. He was frozen to the ground. You peeled him off. I think any you, a child would be backwards. like, I think this cat's dead. <laughs> like, come on, man. Lewis says he feels like he's going crazy. And so Judd finally breaks down and tells him the story. He says that a half Micmac man told him about the place because of how much he had loved his dog, Spot. Spot had gotten caught in barbed wire and died of the infection. Oof. Yeah. Horrible. The camera pans out of Judd's window to a flashback of Judd's mom hanging up laundry when Spot came back. (laughs) (laughs) No, I... It looks awful. Nothing that she says matches the voice Uh, coming. Like, it looks really, really bad. And what she says is really weak. That... Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) She screams at Judd to come and get his dog because he stinks of the ground that he buried him in. (laughs) Spot looks... Bad. Oh, yeah. He's bloody and dirty. And Judd says that he was never the same as he was before. And when he died naturally the second time, Judd buried him properly in the pet cemetery, which is where we saw his grave at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Present day Judd says that he doesn't really know why he showed Lewis the burial ground, Mm -hmm. but maybe it was because Ellie just wasn't ready for her pet to die. And Lewis asks if anyone's ever buried a person up there. And Judd is appalled knocks his beer over and says, no, who would do that? Which I'd be like, Hmm. a person got married up there, didn't they? And I'd rather he didn't ask Judd that because now it just telegraphs the whole film. It's like, (laughs) well, they're going to bury a person in there. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So later, Lewis is running himself a bath because he has had a rough day. (laughs) (laughs) He gets in, puts a towel over his face, and is just laid back relaxing. Suddenly, something plops into the water. Lewis opens his eyes, and it's a dead and bloody rat. <laughs> he flings it out of the tub, and Church is sitting by the sink, just hissing at him. It was a gift. It, I mean, <laughs> thank you. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not in the tub. No, 
And with how angry that cat is, I would feel very vulnerable just, you know, out like that. Like, you want, <laughs> we'd be grabbing a towel. We'd be doing something. I'm surprised they didn't have him wearing scrubs. Right. <laughs> too, too sexy. Like, too sexy. Too sexy. No, he can't bathe naked. <laughs> As Lewis tries to get Church out of the room, he steps on the rat. And then he finally gets Church out. Later, we see him picking his family up from the airport, and he's like on the runway where the plane yeah. landed. Was that a private jet? <laughs> like, <laughs> my parents are billionaires. They, yeah, uh, it's fine. Yeah. The first thing Ellie does is ask about church. She says that she had a dream that church was hit by a car and that Lewis and Judd buried him in the pet cemetery. He tells Ellie that it was just a silly dream, but Ellie does not look convinced no back at home we see ellie shooing church outside because he stinks so bad mm. and she tells her parents that she will save up her own allowance to take him to a groomer because that's how bad he smells it's a very passive way to ask she's like so how <laughs> yeah. much does a uh, cat shampoo cost and how much do you make that <laughs> hmm, interesting oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah it seems like you could afford some of that shit <laughs> no. but lewis does say that he'll pay for yeah. it yeah thankfully yeah so the next thing we see is a shaky suicide note I'm sure I have cancer. I can't take the pain. Sorry. The person that wrote it goes down into the, a basement and we see that it's Missy. She hangs herself with the note pinned to her sweater. Missy's whole entire character just confounds me. <laughs> her storyline is so abrupt in such a nothing. It's just... I don't understand. We've seen her, I guess, twice before now. And it was, I wish I married a doctor so he could help me with my stomach pain. Louis saying, hey, I'll help you with your stomach pain. Her saying, nah, I'll be fine. And then her killing herself because of the stomach pain. There's a lot going on. It, it Very quickly. Yeah. The Missy in the movie is an amalgamation of two characters from the book. And I can see what he was trying to do by this, but to me, it completely misses the mark. Right. And again, we will talk about this later, but it really doesn't have the same impact. Again, we will Bible. talk about that. Yeah, okay. I thought the same thing. I was yeah. like, this lady- Who even are you? Yeah. yeah. I was like, what are you doing again now? I <laughs> Weirdly, we get a shot of the Micmac burial grounds again, but it's the same shot Dude. we got earlier down to- <laughs> Lewis and Judd standing in the corner. This is just lazy filmmaking. <laughs> I was like, what yeah, the hell? I thought that, and I was like, there's no way they right. were right there. I was like, that was just, because it, it shows it for a second. Mm -hmm. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm tripping. But no, <laughs> no they're there. I yeah, re yeah. rewound it because you see Lewis's red ass hat. And I was like, no, no. He's even holding the fucking bag <laughs> yes! with yeah. church it's, in it. It's literally yeah. them from earlier. I think the only way that you could have salvaged that is if the next scene is a, a shot of Lewis. Like, he's yeah. thinking about it right yeah. now. That's the only way you can salvage it. But no, the next <laughs> shot is someone completely different. Yes. The next shot is Stephen King <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> presiding over Missy Dandridge's funeral. Yeah. Which, it's great. I just I mean, love I Stephen I love Stephen King. Yeah. Little, give yourself a little cameo. Yeah. But they're at the funeral. It's Lewis, Ellie, and Judd, which I, again... Ellie doesn't need to be here. No. We'll talk about the book later. Just stop. We'll talk <laughs> about the book later. Um, so Judd asks if Rachel is sick because she didn't come. And Lewis is like, oh, she has the flu. And Ellie's like, oh, yeah, she has been throwing up since we heard about Missy. And it's like, oh, shit. Well, Lewis is like, be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. 
They walk to the car to leave and Judd tells Lewis that he doesn't understand why God would take someone as young as Missy and let an old man like him continue to live. Lewis says that his dad used to say, God sees the truth, but waits, which sounds pretty fucking rude. I was very confused by this scene because honestly... Neither of what is said from Lewis or Judd is indicative of their relationship. No, because I took that as, oh, no, your time is coming. Yes. Like, that's how I took what Lewis said. But then Judd yes. hits him with the, oh, so how's your cat? He's like, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I feel about that cat. <laughs> so Lewis says, no, that's Ellie's cat. And Judd's like, no, no, yeah. that's your cat now. Which it's a really weirdly hostile moment between the two of them. That does not fit. No. So back at home, Lewis is watching TV and Ellie comes in, turns it off and asks if Missy went to heaven. Rachel again is nervously listening from the kitchen. Lewis said he doesn't know. Different people believe in different things. Some believe in heaven and hell. Some believe in reincarnation and something that you just wink out when you die. Ellie asks if that's what he believes, and he looks at church and says no. Yeah. Well, he looks at church, and church is given the deadlights. Yeah. Yeah. He should be like, I don't know what the fuck I believe anymore, dude. I have no idea. He says that he has faith that they go on. Ellie seems satisfied by this, but Rachel is full on crying in the kitchen. Yeah. That night, Lewis is reading in bed, and Rachel comes in and says that she heard him and Ellie's conversation. And that the subject just scares her. And when she gets scared, she gets defensive. So she brings up her sister, Zelda, who Lewis already knows died of spinal meningitis. But Rachel elaborates that her parents kept Zelda in the back room of the house like a dirty secret. And we get a flashback of a young Rachel bringing Zelda, who's played by Andrew Hubatsik, food and feeding her. Zelda is emaciated and scary looking and is just choking on the soup. Honestly, from this film, it seems like Zelda is the thing that... She's the standout. Children of a certain age. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we recall. I do... Like, I didn't understand what was going on as a kid. I remember how, like, I was like, oh, man, she's creepy. What's happening? No, No, I was in the same boat. I didn't either. As a kid, I I was like, oh, they keep a monster in the house. That's all I thought. I didn't know what was happening. She scared the shit out of me as a kid. But no, I didn't really realize what was going on I got that it was her sister. I just didn't understand what was happening. Like, I guess I was too young. But at the same time, I was just like, oh, she's sick. But I don't know what. You know, and I was like, I don't understand what's happening. I didn't even really grasp happening. that she was sick. I just thought that... She looked like a monster. Yeah, that's yeah. all I thought as a kid. So, Rachel's, so you did better than me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Put it together. Yeah. So Rachel says that Zelda died in that back bedroom. And she says that her family wanted her to die. Honestly, not just so that Zelda wouldn't feel any more pain, but that so they wouldn't right. feel any more pain. <laughs> and Lewis isn't like, I don't even know you anymore. Yeah. He's just like, go uh-huh. on. And they've never had this conversation before. She, this I, is a big yeah, deal. It that, sounds like she said, I had a sister named Zelda who died of spinal meningitis. Let's never he, talk about it again. He knew that, but he didn't know. He didn't know all yeah, this. Yeah, but... They have two kids and they yeah, wouldn't, long? I mean, but yeah. this is why, this is why when he, she didn't want Ellie exposed to death at all. That's why she made him promise that church would be okay. Right. That's why she was throwing up ever since she heard about Missy dying. That's why she was uncomfortable at the pet cemetery. Like, I feel like it's always been this elephant in the room in their marriage. And finally he's like, this, this is why. Mm-hmm. But it took you that long Apparently. to tell me that. <laughs> <Apparently>. <laughs> anyway. 
She says that even now, sometimes she wakes up asking, is Zelda dead yet? Tough. Yeah. But when Zelda did die, her parents weren't home and she was afraid that they would blame her for killing her because she hated her and she wanted her dead. And both of those things are true. Right. But I mean, she can't take the blame herself when her whole family was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But she's, I think, eight. Yeah. So you probably carry that. Yeah. But Zelda choked and died and she went screaming into the street that she was dead. And she says that her neighbors thought that she was crying, but she thinks she might have been laughing. (laughs) Lewis is like, damn. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go to bed. I'll sleep on the couch. (laughs) What was funny or, again, confusing to me is in that cutscene when she leaves, there's just people standing inside her house. Who are those kids? They just came in your house like, what's happening? Yeah, I heard some laughing and (laughs) or screaming. I thought thought that was really (laughs) weird, too. I thought those were her siblings when I watched it. And then I was like, but wait, she said she was home alone. Yeah. Yeah. So present day, Lewis hugs her and tells her that if he needed another reason to hate her parents, he has it now. She should. And he's right. She never should have been left alone with her, especially since Zelda, he says, was clinically insane by then. Well, he's making some leaps because he doesn't know any of (laughs) that. It's like, she probably killed a guy. Like, you don't fucking know. You just learned this story five minutes ago. Well, he goes to get a volume and she's like, you know, I don't take. And he's like, you do tonight. Well, he's uh-huh. like, you can take it from my stash because right. I'm sleepwalking through I this took role. Too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need them to function. <laughs> so sometime, I don't know if it's the next morning or another morning, we see an Arinko truck leave a building and get on the road as the Ramones plays and the driver is singing and having the time of his life. I read that Mary Lambert was very good friends with the Ramones and Stephen King loves the Ramones. Yeah. He talks about the Ramones in the book a lot. Really? Yeah. Interesting. He repeats, hey, ho, let's go to himself. For Blitzkrieg (laughs) Bob? Yes. Interesting. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so at the Creed's house, they're having a picnic with Judd and they're flying kites and Lewis lets Gage start flying the kite Mm -hmm. so we see the driver again putting pedal to the metal down the road as he's still singing the ramones back at the creeds gage drops the handle for the kite and ellie who had already asked to take over gage's turn Mm -hmm. with the kite says it got away from him that numb shit and nobody cares no they just laugh laugh. (laughs) is that more from missy (laughs) <laughs> your brother's a numb shit you it's know like, that like how did where did she hear that it's probably a good thing she's not coming around anymore yeah rest in peace <laughs> <laughs> lewis turns around to talk to ellie and the handle for the kite is just being pulled away and gage is following it the Arinko truck is coming up fast. And again, Judd is the only one to notice that this child is running into the road. Everyone screams at Lewis to catch Gage. And Lewis falls just before he catches him. And the driver swerves too late. And Gage is hit. The kite falls. And his little shoe is bloody. And it flops out onto the road. The truck is flipped. And Lewis... I guess comes out of his volume coma to scream no. <laughs> yeah. And he remembers snapshots of Gage when he was even smaller. It's sad as fuck. It it's sad. But anybody that has a toddler knows you don't just let them no, be. Definitely no, definitely not. Especially can't. 
around this road that has and been then, established. Right, right. This is and like the you, third time they've yeah. done this. Yeah, and then your cat just got fucked off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Jeez, man. It's like, well, and then she said he dropped it. So you already know yes. that it's down. Why didn't you go over there? He's too. He's not going to stand there patiently no, waiting. and like, his death does not happen fast. He's chasing no, the yeah. handle for yeah. like forever. And he's uh, like, well, Ellie, it's... you'll get your turn. Well, when I was a kid, I used to have a kid. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's like, fucking turn around. <laughs> Judd's losing his mind. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> so later, Lewis looks at photos of Gage sitting in his kitchen. Why didn't you just focus on the photo? Like, move the sticks. Like, life is strange. <laughs> turn it back. <laughs> yeah, it turn didn't the time back. Judd comes in and says that the sedative took hold and Rachel's finally asleep. Ellie comes down holding a picture to her chest and she reluctantly shows Judd the picture after he asks about it. And it's a picture of her pulling Gage in a wagon. She says that she's going to hold on to it until God lets Gage come back. Very sad. Oof. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know if I'm alone here, but the child acting performance and Fred Gwynn's performance kind of saved the movie on the performance. No, front. that's that's they, fair. they seem like the only actors that showed up for work. <laughs> Everybody else is like sending in an avatar or something. I don't know what the fuck happened. <laughs> and it's funny because I read that Mary Lambert during one scene, it didn't specify which scene, but it's a scene where Ellie's crying hmm. and she tried to get Blaze Berdahl to cry harder and be more upset and believable. And she's like, just think of something sad. Think of the saddest thing that you can think of and cry. And it still wasn't happening. And so she goes over and she's like, I'll give you more money. And then she <gasps> did it. Wow. <laughs> Shit. I'll... <laughs> I just thought that was funny because she's a little kid. It's like, well, I'll, fuck, I'll give you more yeah, money. Yeah, even kids are like, man, finances. <laughs> Shit. The economy's in shambles. Yeah. <laughs> so Judd tries to tell her that God can't do that. And she says that he can if he wants. So she's going to hold on to Gage's picture and sit in his chair and keep his stuff. Lewis calls her name to get him to get her to stop. And she runs to the couch crying. Judd's like, she needs you. She's still alive, basically. You need to be here for her. But Lewis has left the chat. Well, I I don't I can't say that I understand. But I mean, goddamn, that's rough. You know what I mean? Not only are you dealing with the most unimaginable loss, but you still have a child right here that needs you that's yeah. falling apart too. A lot it's of horrible. responsibility. No, a it's lot horrible. of stuff to process at the same and time. And Rachel has completely oh, yeah, she's broken done. down. Yeah. And she's got a thing about death anyway. Already. So yeah. this is it's it's a lot. So the next time we see Lewis, he's at the funeral and he's crying over Gage's casket. Rachel's father approaches him saying he knew something like this would happen. And he tells Lewis to rot in hell. He calls him a child killer and then punches him in the face. At this point, I'm like, what is the backstory? Yeah. You know, because you've already got this ill will for this guy. What is it? Why? I will shine a brief light on that subject from the book. When Lewis and Rachel were dating... I want to say that they don't like Lewis because he's not Jewish. Mm. I think that's the the issue. So they offered to put him through medical school if he will break up with Rachel. What kind of Shakespeare bullshit is this? Yeah. So and he never told Rachel. He never told Rachel about it. Oh, so she has no idea. She has no idea. She just knows that they don't get along and they don't like each other. But he's kept that from her, and that's been simmering forever. Wow. Forever between them. And then also in the book during this scene. He comes over and he's like, I told Rachel that this would happen if she married you, that this is what she gets for marrying you. And Lewis keeps saying, you said that to her? 
you said that to her? I would have liked a little pushback. Yeah, no, Lewis punches him in the face what? in the book. Oh. Yes. And then they start going after it, which I I think I would have would liked have that rather better. seen. Yeah. But that's not what we get. No. Anyway, he punches him in the face and Rachel is screaming at him to stop and he is kicking the shit out of Lewis while he's on the ground. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't really fault the dad for that though. Cuz he tells him, "Where were you?" Yeah. Where no, were you? Honestly, yeah. and it's like, but I, I was where understand. your wife was at. Well, or were you where your daughter was at, and your daughter had a full view of everything, <laughs> right? <laughs> not but, to throw anyone under. No, no, I don't want to say. No, that. no. <laughs> that's not what I meant. No. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> not to throw anyone under the arena. Yeah, but, but uh, I mean, I I get it. Yeah, I I just I understand. Yeah, you know no, the, I mean? and I, the I get grief it. makes it's, you crazy. Yeah, I um. But Rachel's dad, I guess, stumbles into Gage's casket and knocks oh. it over. And as it falls, Lewis gets a glimpse of Gage's little hand, and that's it. He fucking snaps, understandably. Oh, yeah. And he has to be held back. And the man holding him back says that he's at his son's funeral and he needs to get a hold of himself. Rachel hugs her mom and sobs, and that's Gage's funeral. And the man that's holding him back also gets more play in the book. I'm pretty sure that that's his friend. That mm-hmm. is a character in the book, but you he's just, just some random yeah. dude at the funeral. <laughs> yeah. So that night, Lewis puts Ellie to bed and she asks if she can have faith that God can take it all back if he wants to. And Lewis tells her yes, which I don't I don't know if that's okay or not. Uh, <sighs> um, Lewis goes to his bedroom and Rachel is passed out. And Church is sitting on her stomach, looking pissed off with the deadlight eyes. Yes. Lewis tells Church to fuck off, and Church launches at him, scratching his face again. Church doesn't take it well. No. All this cat does is just skulk around and look evil now. Like Later on downstairs, Judd lets himself in and lets Church out at the same time. Lewis starts making himself a drink and basically tries to dismiss Judd. Yeah. Judd tells him that he knows he's thinking thoughts that he shouldn't be thinking. And he says that he is responsible for the pain in Lewis's heart and may even be responsible for Gage's death. And he tells Lewis, you can't deny that you're thinking about taking him up there. Mm-hmm. And he sits down at the table and admits to lying about a person never having been buried up there. So now we get another flashback. (laughs) And it was a boy named Timmy Baderman that was killed on his way home from World War II. His dad was so grief stricken that he buried him up there before he got to the bottom of the truth that sometimes dead is better. Great line. Amazing line. So in this flashback, we see Timmy eating a leg. I wanted to talk about that because the story of the Wendigo goes differently depending on how you hear it. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes it's tied to cannibalism Mm -hmm. in some way. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. And so this is he's enacting the spirit of the Wendigo right before our very eyes. But nobody... I know we keep harping on it. <laughs> Sorry. I just love the we Wendigo love so the Wendigo. much. Yeah. <laughs> Wendigo just, 2020. I, think, <laughs> I just think it's such a great, interesting I, thing. I totally and agree. You're already with you. having him being a cannibal right now. Just use it. Just say it. Lean in. Even it's it's just quick. Ah. Wasted opportunity. <laughs> well, Timmy starts scratching up his own face and Judd explains that the person that you bury up there isn't the person that comes back and that four or five days after Timmy's funeral a woman named Margie saw Timmy wandering around and asked Judd and his friends to take care of it 
Now, Timmy looks like a straight up zombie. Yeah. He looks like a Romero zombie. <laughs> Literally like he's walking. shuffling around. Yes. Yeah. She says that Timmy is an abomination. So they talk it over and they get in Judd's car and they go over to the Baderman house. And through the window, we see Timmy attacking his dad. <laughs> they <laughs> arrive just in time. Uh... <laughs> also, uh, for the millionth time, this scene is completely different in the book. Really? Completely different. But anyway. Their solution is to pour gasoline all over the house and set it on fire. Timmy's dad tries to get him out, but Timmy says, love dead, hate living, and drags him deeper into the house. Judd says that sometimes dead... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just the rudimentary speech. <laughs> he got to the point. Once you come back, you're, you don't have time for bullshit. Get love shit. dead. <laughs> Fucking this best time. <laughs> It ain't for me. <laughs> Judd says that sometimes dead is better and that the Micmacs knew they stopped using that ground when it went sour. So we see the Baderman house completely up in flames and Judd says not to do it. The ground is evil. Again, sometimes dead is better. This is what pissed me off a lot because if Judd knew that the ground was evil, evil. <laughs> as he says, then why would you even get him started with this fucking cat? Go to a pet store and find a cat that looks like church. <laughs> Something. Yeah, I... Uh, Don't even bring it up. I kind of thought that too. I was like, if you, if you knew the whole time, why <laughs> did you make this man go bury his cat up there? Yeah. It makes no sense to me. It's like, evil. Oh, maybe the cat will come back different. <laughs> it's like, oh. Yeah, it's well, been a long time. time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah. Uh, Good Lord. So Lewis asked Judd if he's saying that the place knew that Gage was going to die. Judd begins to cry and says that maybe it made Gage die because he introduced Lewis to its power. He literally says, I may have murdered your son, Lewis. His delivery of that section, Ugh. like chokes me Ugh. up because he is clearly in pain. He's it's taking it over him. Yeah. Very sad. In the next scene, the Creeds are all at the airport. Lewis tells Rachel that this could be the beginning of him patching things up with her parents, that something good could have come out of Gage's death. Ellie tells her grandma that she doesn't want to go with them to Chicago because she had a dream about Lewis and Gage and someone named Pax Cow. No one pays her any attention. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> they should, though, uh, because... It's very clear mm -hmm. that Ellie has The Shining. Uh, definitely. Which is a reference to The, the Shining. Shining. Take, Take a, a shot. shot. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel's dad apologizes to Lewis, and Lewis doesn't exactly accept it, but he does give him a very weak handshake. And he looks at it, he's like, what the fuck was <laughs> that? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was confused with that. It was just charmed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very odd. Lewis tells Ellie goodbye and she begs him to go with them. He tells her that he'll be there in a few days and that everything will be fine. She tells him to swear and he does. Mm, bad call. Yeah. <laughs> Cut to Lewis sneaking grave robbing equipment yeah. over the cemetery fence in broad ass yeah, yeah, He didn't even wait. It should have been labeled grave robbing equipment yeah. for how <laughs> conspicuous he was. <laughs> He sits next to Gage's grave and Pascal appears to remind him that the barrier is not meant to be crossed. The ground is sour. <laughs> Lewis is like, don't you have better things to do? 
Lewis begins to cry and says that if Gage comes back like Timmy Baderman, he'll just put him back to sleep and Rachel and Ellie will never have to know. At Rachel's parents' house, we pan over a wall of photos to Ellie screaming and crying and Rachel comforting her after her having a bad dream. Mm -hmm. Ellie maintains that this wasn't a dream. Paxcow told her that Lewis is going to do something horrible. He's a good ghost and wants to help Lewis because he was near him when his soul was dis... And she can't remember the rest. Mm -hmm. Rachel just dismisses her and Ellie's like, will you at least call him? Yeah. It's like, yeah. who's the parent At the very here? least, yeah. <laughs> Rachel goes into the hallway trying to remember where she's heard that name before. Pascal appears standing behind her and corrects the pronunciation of his name. Somehow that gets through to her. So I wonder if Rachel That's has what, a little yeah. touch of it too. I just think it's a ghost. It's just a ghost <laughs> like, talking to him. I think my thing... Ellie definitely has the shine. Yeah, I don't know about everybody else. Everybody else it might... Well, I mean, Wendy didn't have it and she saw the ghost in the hotel, so... That's fair. I mean... That's fair. Rachel replays what Ellie said in her mind and Pascal finishes the word discorporated. She runs oh, downstairs she, yeah. and Pascal nods in approval. Yeah, okay. It's like, like finally. You're cooking gotcha. with gas. Someone's listening to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> At the cemetery, it's fully night now and Lewis is digging up Gage. At his house, his phone is ringing and we know yeah, who's calling. Right. At Rachel's parents' house, Rachel is trying to call Lewis and her parents are just sitting there watching. Her mom's like, oh, he probably just went out to get something to eat. Well, she says, you know how men are. What? Yeah. They get hungry. Food? <laughs> like what? You know how men like uh, to eat food. Did you notice that ugly ass painting behind Rachel? Uh-uh. That's foreshadowing because there is a kid with a cat that is gray and the kid has a cane and he's wearing like an odd like, oh, coat shit. and a hat. Oh, shit. Keep that in mind. Huh. Maybe I shouldn't have called it an ugly ass. Did I call it an ugly ass painting? <laughs> yeah. That was a little rude. <laughs> it was a painting. <laughs> so Rachel calls Judd and he tells her that Lewis isn't with him, but he'll have him call her. She says, don't bother. I'm coming home. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no. But she hangs up on him. <laughs> At the cemetery, Lewis is still digging. Digging is not his strong suit. No. He should have brought Judd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when a cop car pulls up. He hides in Gage's grave as the cops scan the cemetery with flashlights. And as they drive away, he laughs and gets back to work. He was proud he hid well. Yeah. <laughs> At Judd's house, Judd comes out with beer and looks across the street. As another Arinko speeds by, he sees that the lights are all off at the Creed house. He goes back inside and lights a cigarette saying that he did this and now he needs to undo it. Back at the cemetery, Lewis finally pulls out the tiny casket, and our point of view is inside the casket as Lewis opens it and looks in at his son. The next thing we see is Lewis holding Gage and rocking him, saying everything will be all right. He wraps Gage up, and we see his little tiny hand again. It's very careful about what they show, yeah. but they show just enough for it to be like, oh, very yeah. sad and effective. Yeah. Why was there no dates on that gravestone? It did have his name. But, but it didn't, no yeah, dates. there was no dates. I didn't even notice that. Is that is true. Well, he, they're like, like, I'm his... gonna. Yeah. <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> don't even so, finish yeah. it. It's fine. Back at Rachel's parents' house, we're painting over that picture wall again, but they're all crooked and cracked. This was really creepy to Yeah. Me. Rachel looks disoriented and falls back against a wall before opening a door. Inside, we see Zelda lying on the bed. 
She snaps up and says that she's coming for her and this time she'll get her. Her voice keeps getting deeper and deeper and she says, Gage and I will get you for letting us die. She laughs and Rachel runs. Rachel jerks awake on an airplane because thank God that was a yeah. horrible fucking dream. Man, and fuck that lady sitting next to her. The lady yeah. looks super annoyed. She's like, Jesus. <laughs> Another nightmare. Of all the God. seats in the... Yeah, I know. <laughs> Pascal, though, sits in the row behind her, looking very content. Was that for our benefit? Because she can't even see him, but he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> At the airport, Rachel is running and pushing her way through. The flight attendant goes to close the door to the plane, but Pascal holds it open. And he's yeah. like, uh-uh-uh. Yeah. Rachel runs up and tells her to hold the plane, and the lady's like, I can't. <laughs> Rachel runs through the door, and she's like, all right, I'll call the <laughs> yeah. pilot. It's like, if it was that easy, you could have... All right, I have a direct line to the That's guy. just yeah. rude. Yeah. Like, come on. At Judd's house, Judd has just fallen asleep yeah. in well, his chair. Well, he'll fix it tomorrow. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> And we see him drop a cigarette. So he's out. He's yeah. fully asleep. Outside, Lewis is carrying Gage down the path and through the pet cemetery. He makes the climb, repeating what Judd told him. Don't stop and don't look down. The blue light illuminates the area again. A tree falls in his path, but he just keeps going. I have something to say about that in a second. Okay. Trying to rent a car now, Rachel is told that they've been really busy and there are no cars left. (laughs) Pascal's like, what about the Aries K with the scratch on the side? And the lady's like, oh, well, I do have an Aries K with the scratch on Uh, the side. I just want to point out that Lewis barely tried to save him. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, he was already dying. He's a fucking real one because. (laughs) Get you a Pascal. Exactly. We could all be so lucky. Yeah. Rachel obviously says she'll take the car. She's not worried about cosmetics at this point. <laughs> Outside again, Lewis is climbing that weird quarry mountain area. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm wondering if either of you have some insight to this. Okay. Someone calls his name. He turns around to see a rock turn into a face and launch toward him. But when he opens <laughs> his eyes again, there's nothing there. Okay. I just want to say two things. One. It didn't look like anyone. Who the hell was that? Yeah, it didn't look like anyone that I could see. It wasn't Judd. It wasn't, what was the name? Biederman? Timmy Biederman or whatever? Biederman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was just, I was very confused by that. I thought it, it kind of looked like her dad. I thought this, okay, that makes even less sense. Well, I guess it's just trying to look like something he's familiar with, trying to warn know. him I, not to do it. I, or, I in my mind replayed that with that not happening and I got the same thing out of it. Like oh, it was yeah. really unneeded. But he finally reaches the burial ground and he sets Gage down. Rachel is hauling ass down the yeah. road. She's in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And suddenly gets a flat tire. She swerves off the road and gets out of the car. Pascal appears and tells her that it is trying to stop her. And she's like, is someone there? Yeah. <laughs> Here's where I got a little annoyed. Okay. Judd intimated that the entire thing was set into motion once basically the ground awakened and taste, you know, the cat or whatever. Yeah. And now it's like, oh shit, give me more, right? Mm -hmm. So why did the tree fall and stop Lewis momentarily if the ground wants him there? But Pascal is, but Pascal's busy. Pascal's on the plane. So I'm like, how busy? Like, yeah. I don't know. Is he everywhere? Is Pascal gone? (laughs) Like, I'm like, what is going on? I really don't know. 
Was it the Wendigo knocked over the tree? <laughs> Sorry. I'll stop. I will stop. In my movie, it was the Wendigo. <laughs> Back at the burial ground, Lewis has successfully and much quicker than he did with Church. Yeah, he oh, yeah. remembered immediately yeah. how to get up there. <laughs> Buried Gage. He walks up the path back to his house, and when he puts the tools away in the garage, Church is in there just chilling. Mm -hmm. He's like, I know what she did. Yeah, he plops his dirty ass into the bed. I'd be like, man, Mm. take a shower. And (laughs) these are the last sheets you have. (laughs) You're already dirty the other ones. Missy's not here anymore to Mm -mm. do your damn laundry. On your own. Back on the road, Rachel continues to walk because the car's done, and finally hitches a ride with the man driving what? And a Rinko truck. There's a weird shot between her and the driver. It didn't work for me only because the way that it looked was as if she knew the driver. But she doesn't know the driver. Yeah. And it's not the guy. No. That's the other thing. I was like, that's not the guy. guy. Yeah. His truck flipped. He might be dead too. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But they look at each other kind of like, I know. Yeah. In a weird way. The driver was Pascal. (laughs) He's everywhere. Back at the Creed house, the door opens and we see tiny feet walk inside. Church follows close behind. He's mm-hmm. like, man, I got hey, a buddy dude. now. Yeah. <laughs> the door opens and we see Gage's shadow on the wall as he opens a closet, pulls out Lewis's doctor bag and takes out his scalpel. We see his little hands get a good grip on the scalpel. Then suddenly Church is walking down the path. Church, he doesn't obey the laws of physics. No. We've already determined. Apparently. He does what he wants. In life or in death. Yeah. I did I, I did want to say that I liked just showing his shadow. Yeah. They're like, we'll save the reveal for later. Yeah. It's a pretty you, neat. And you already know what's happening. Exactly. I like that a lot. At Judd's house, he wakes up startled as the door bangs open. He gets up and we see little muddy footprints leading into the house. He goes inside and a ball bounces in the next room and we hear Gage laugh. He is having a blast. Mm -hmm. Gage invites him to play hide and seek. Stuff clatters down the stairs and Judd goes up there calling after Gage, but he takes out his knife. Mm-hmm. He's ready. <laughs> Doesn't he say, I've brought you something? Yeah. <laughs> he's going like, fucking knife the kid. Yeah, he's ready. Well, mean, I mean, he knows. Yeah. He he's looks, not a vet, but, but he knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a baby. What do you think? Yeah. Gonna, you really going to have that hard time fighting a demon baby <laughs> like I mean, he needs a yeah. knife he's like no i need well <laughs> he looks out the window and he sees that the lights are on at the creed house now he gets on his knees to look for gage under the bed but church jumps into view while he's distracted by church <laughs> gage's hand comes from under the bed and slices into judd's achilles tendon which kills me every time every i see it in a movie time. now i will give one in the good column one in the bad column <laughs> good column him slicing him it gets me too, and Oof. it looks very good. Yeah, it's, it does. Ugh, it's rough. Bad column. It's clearly somebody holding a puppet hand holding yeah. that scalpel. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... it's. Well, it doesn't get any better. Yeah. <laughs> no. We finally see the reanimated Gage as he angrily descends on Judd. Judd opens his mouth to scream, and Gage slices it open judd falls and gage takes a bite out of crime ripping out (laughs) judd's throat and i i gotta say (laughs) i guess that prime amazon prime has fixed this problem but when i started the movie to watch it for this episode that was the picture for the movie when you go to play it is gage chewing out judd's throat 
do better. <laughs> do better. It gave everything. What if I'd never uh, seen this movie? Yeah. I'd be big mad. That's all oh. I'm saying. <laughs> but Judd Crandall is dead, and Church, Church just sat there. He's yeah. heavy breathing over there. <laughs> oh, he's yeah. just he's enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Outside, in the first instance of an Arinko truck slowing down on this road, <laughs> the driver drops off Rachel. She thanks him, and Pascal appears in the passenger seat and is like, you're welcome. Yeah. Now, she never communicates with Pascal. Again, is that for our benefit? Are we the only ones privy to his asides? Because he continues to say that this is the end of the line for him, and he can't go any further. The driver's like, I hope everything works out. And she's like, I think everything will be fine. And Pascal's like, I don't. (laughs) Shuts the door and then disappears. (laughs) Yeah. She starts toward the house, but hears Zelda scream her name. Then Gage's laugh comes from Judd's house. Before she goes inside, Church lands, screams at her, and then we see him licking blood off his paw. In Judd's house, Rachel goes inside and hears, like, ghostly moaning. Uh, She goes upstairs calling after Judd, but once she gets upstairs, she hears Zelda calling her from behind a closed door. She opens the door and Zelda is hunched in the corner looking scary (laughs) as fuck. That actually got me. Still. (laughs) It's scary. Even as an adult. Yeah, I was still like, ooh, no, we don't need to do that. She says that she's come back for her and she's going to twist her back up like hers so she'll never get out of bed again. She screams it as she runs toward her. Rachel closes her eyes as Zelda laughs and her laugh turns into Gage's laugh. Right. Rachel opens her eyes and call Gage Ranch because he be dressing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. He, and I guess this is the foreshadowing yeah, that you were he, talking about. He's dressed like the kid in that painting. And obviously Church is the great cat in the obviously, painting. Yeah. But I don't understand the significance of that. Is it more from Rachel's childhood? Maybe it's Zelda as a child. As a ch- hey, maybe. Because Zelda was clearly older yeah. than Rachel. Maybe they got that weird painting done. Yeah. The ugly ass was painting. The, <laughs> yeah. But he's in a velvet top. He's got a hat and a cane. And... We see Rachel, and when we look back at Gage, the cane is now a scalpel, Mm -hmm, the scalpel, and he keeps repeating, I brought something for you, mommy, and she goes to embrace him, and we hear a thud off screen. Yeah. Nothing good. And he stole that line from Judd. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's what we say when we're coming at someone with a knife. Yeah, Judd's like, get your own lines, kid. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Dead. Uh, We get a flashback to Gage that day, just about to be hit by that Orinko, and we hear Rachel screaming. Suddenly, Lewis yells and falls off the bed, hitting his corner, uh, hitting his head on the corner of the nightstand. Yeah, and that was real. I was going to say that did not look fake. Yeah, but he didn't react appropriately. No, (laughs) like ah, cut. (laughs) (laughs) I have a concussion. But he sees the dirty little footprints on the floor and his discarded bag and the scalpel missing. He hears Gage laugh and goes downstairs to investigate. The phone rings and it's Rachel's father asking if Rachel got in all right. He tells him that she's fine, which Lewis didn't even know that she was coming. No. Her dad tells him to put her on the phone because Ellie is absolutely hysterical. She had a dream that Rachel died. Lewis is like, oh, she's asleep. And Rachel's dad is like, well, you need to wake her up. And he's like, I can't talk to you right now. And he has the phone up. (laughs) (laughs) 
Lewis goes to follow the footprints, but the phone rings again and he goes back to answer it and yells at Rachel's father <laughs> as soon as he picks the phone up. But it's not Rachel's father. It's Gage. He says that he's at Judd's. Will he come play? He's already played with Judd. He's already played with mommy. And now he wants to play with him. When Lewis asks what he's done, Gage just laughs. Now, it's just funny to me to imagine that little kid over there picking up the phone. Yeah. Maybe I'll give my dad a call. Yeah. And then fucking Talking enticing shit. him. Yeah. Lewis prepares a syringe and waits for another Orinco to pass before crossing the street to Judd's house. Church sits on the porch and Lewis bribes him with what looks like a whole ass steak. Yeah. Not a bad last <laughs> meal. Let's <laughs> just put it that way. Church hisses at him and then is like, nah, I'm gonna eat. And yeah. starts chowing down. Lewis grabs him and injects him with the syringe. Church immediately goes still as Lewis tells him to lie down and play dead. Be dead. Mm -hmm. Lewis checks on church and church is no longer with us. It's sad to see because I love cats so much. But yeah. the thing is, that's very interesting to me is I read that they trained like 10 different cats to play church, church. and each cat had a different action that they were wow. supposed to accomplish. So the cat that hisses is a different cat. The cat that plays dead like, we do is a different thing. cat. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because everybody says cats are so hard to work with as far as entertainment goes and dogs are so easy. And I'm like, well, you did need 10 cats <laughs> to play church. <laughs> I so, also yeah. read that the hardest thing that they had to coax a cat into doing was eating the steak. That should be the easiest thing I know, thing to that do. was the, the <laughs> hardest thing it was for them to do. I thought that was weird. That is so weird. It's like, y'all need to get... He's like, this is a cheap cut of meat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got any prime rib? Damn. Yeah. <laughs> So Lewis notices Rachel's purse by the door and goes inside. The door to Judd's house creaks open and the house is filthy, rotten, and foggy. He calls for Gage and we get shots of how fucked up the house is now. And I'm like, does Jordy Vero live here? <laughs> yeah, I I was I was confused at that. So did the pet cemetery get the house? No, or did it? No, it was, I mean, it, it's quite confusing. I was confused by that as well because I'm like I thought the powers were just coming back to life. Yeah. Right. But now you're fucking, you can pretend to be Zelda. You can fucking change the house. That, to, yeah, that too. You're like, wait, what? What is happening? I was, yeah. So it was like Gage just being a dick making her <laughs> see that? Or well, was it like... Well, yeah, I think he is, honestly. Lewis spots Rachel's shoe on the stairs, and when he picks it up, the house completely goes back to normal. And Gage goes, scared you, didn't I? Yeah, so he's just fucking around. He's fucking with them. He Why says, didn't church do any of this and just laugh <laughs> yeah. catsily? Laughs in feline. Yeah. Gage says that he wants to play and laughs. Lewis takes out the syringe and says, let's play. Lewis goes upstairs and checks behind a shower curtain. A little and, too action hero for me. Right? <laughs> and when Gage isn't there, Gage laughs at him. At this point, I'm like, I think they got that kid to record these lines over one day, and yeah. now they just yeah. have a gauge soundboard, because all he's no. doing is saying stuff he's already said. Yeah. And laughing. And it's the same recording. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> Let's be clear. Yeah. He walks into Judd's bedroom and sees a knife and Rachel's purse laying on the floor. He looks under the bed and finds Judd's body, mm. and Gage laughs even harder. Dude, and Judd's body, his mouth. No, yeah. it's bad. His teeth, it looks rough. Yeah. The attic door above him opens and Rachel's body falls down, hung by a noose. Did Gage rig that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gage laughs from the attic and then jumps down on Lewis, biting his chest. 
He wrestles with Gage, which is clearly alternating oh, yeah. between the real child and a doll. Dude, right. I, I wrote down, he, Gage is clearly a puppet for most of this. Yeah. <laughs> like, him falling from the attic looks like someone just threw a doll. Yeah, he just from like the dive thing. bombs at him. Yeah, he does, fuck? he's like... Yeah, and then he's all stiff. Yeah, it's like a skier just fucking <laughs> face forward. Well, Lewis gets stabbed in the chest. He gets sliced. Finally, he throws Gage off of him. He sits down on the floor and grabs a syringe and calls Gage over. Undead Gage advances, but we get splices of Gage adorable and living. He pulls Gage close to him and injects him in the neck with the syringe and Gage is crying. He wanders off repeating no fair. He walks backwards, stumbles and falls and he's still snarling at Lewis. He is. The stumble was cute. It was kind of funny. Because you could tell it was really just a kid that didn't have his footing. (laughs) Lewis watches Gage as he finally slumps down and dies. Lewis pours gasoline, just like Judd did to the Baderman house, and lights it on fire. We see Gage go up in flames. Mm-hmm. Lewis carries Rachel outside as flames burst through the window of Judd's house. Pascal stands on the road apologizing to Lewis, but tells him, don't make it worse. Lewis is like, nah, I just waited too long with Gage. Yeah. I just, I gotta get her in the ground now. First of all, I thought you said you were leaving. Yeah, yeah you said this was the end of the line. Yeah, But he walks right through pascal physically mm-hmm. and pascal is like no yeah. and then he disappears <laughs> the next thing we see is judd's house like burnt down to the foundation mm-hmm. we see a pile of rocks on the burial ground we see lightning in the sky and then we see the path we saw him walk down the path yeah. with just rachel yeah. and no tools i didn't think about that yeah. yeah so i don't know how he buried her unless the ground was very ha- they're like dude we'll open up well, yeah, we want right. you here. Gage just came out of you it. You fed just us him, three fucking... Put him back yeah, to no, put him in that hole. Yeah. Oh, that's true. We hear Judd's voice. The soil of a man's heart is stonier, Lewis. A man grows what he can and then tends it because what you buy is what you own and what you own always comes home to you. Terrifying. Yeah. At the Creed house, Lewis, still dirty and bloody, sits on the floor of the kitchen and shuffles a deck of cards. A bell tolls outside and Lewis begins to deal, I guess, a hand of solitaire. Yeah. A filthy woman's hand opens the door and he smiles. We see Rachel's legs as she walks in, still missing her shoe. She approaches Lewis as the clock, I guess, a couple minutes slow. Announces yeah. That it's- yeah. It's like we heard the chime outside. <laughs> <laughs> he stands and goes over to her and we finally see the horrible shape that she's in. She's bloody and battered and like missing an eye. Yeah. Yeah. Gage fucked her up. Yeah. yeah. She says, darling, and he kisses her. As they kiss, she grabs the knife from the table, and as she brings it closer to him, the screen turns black. We hear Lewis scream and a squish. That's the end of Pet Cemetery, except for <laughs> the Ramones song, Pet Cemetery, that plays over the credits. And I gotta say, it's goddamn awful, but it's, <laughs> but it's a good time. It, it doesn't really fit the tone of the film at all. I also read that Mary Lambert had a different ending for the film. Yeah. And it was more ambiguous. And then the studio was like, mm, no, we need to see or hear Which Lewis kind of sucks because I feel like the ending that she probably had in mind first is probably the ending from the book. Okay. But they wanted to 
turn it up a little bit more and make it more gruesome. And because you didn't see her face or anything. No. Um, no. But in the movie, they're like, and let's make some liquid pour out of her <laughs> open eye socket. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> Can you tone it down? But that's Pet Cemetery. What did you guys think of it? I like the movie, mm-hmm. but now that we talked about it, there's a <laughs> lot of shit that doesn't make sense. <laughs> like I said, I still I still would watch it again, and I, I will always like this movie because I watched it as a kid. For sure. Yeah. But, it, but it does. There's a lot of questions. Like, there's <laughs> a lot of questions, and there's a lot of, what the fuck? What did that have to do with anything? Or, like, what? there's no explanation for things. Mm-hmm. It just leaves more questions than there is answers. And I mean, you've read the book, so I'm sure you know more than what's going on. Yeah, but, but I shouldn't have had to read the book to know more well, no, of what's going I, on. I know, but I'm just saying, like, as a movie, it is it is kind of confusing. It's yeah. a little lacking. Yeah. Especially when you got the author writing the script. That's, that's it what blows my mind. me. Just the amount of stuff that it seemed like he changed. And I, I, you know, I didn't read the book. I really know most of what I know about the book from you. Right. But I will say that, like JP said, there's just some stuff that it seems like they're just trying to get through this plot real quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then wrap it all up real fast and leaving out the Wendigo. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I, as a movie, it's not a bad movie. I like no. this movie. I'll yeah. watch this movie again. But you know what I think it is, honestly? I think that movies like Hereditary that explore grief in such a deep way mm-hmm. have kind of ruined me for movies like, you're like spoiled. this. Yeah. Because they explore grief on a major surface level and you don't really get as deep as it could go. And if right. it did go deeper, this would be a much better movie. That's what I'm saying. Pay more attention to the source, to your own source material, <laughs> yeah. Stephen King. <laughs> yeah. And... Please, I would have just liked a better actor for Lewis oh, Creed. My God. But if you will indulge me, the book situation, sure. if I can go into that quickly um, and listen fast because I'm going to try to blow through this. But <laughs> first of all, besides the Wendigo, I feel like. The, I think I've said enough. <laughs> you've said enough on about the Wendigo. The Wendigo. What I really wish they would have incorporated almost more than anything else is Judd's wife, Norma, because in the movie Judd could almost be a lifelong bachelor. We don't know. We don't know anything. And the book, he has a wife, Norma. She's close with the family. Judd honestly is a surrogate father to Lewis. So the weird half chummy, half hostile relationship that we get in the movie, he's literally like a dad to him in the book. On Halloween, Norma has a heart attack, Judd's wife, mm-hmm. and Lewis saves her life. Really? And so when Church dies, Judd is like, I'm going to do this for you. You saved mine. I'm going to save yours. See, and that makes much more sense than yeah. him being like, the ground's evil, but fuck it. Let's take the cat yeah. out of there anyway. And they gloss over Halloween in the movie by just taking a pumpkin down and putting yeah. up a turkey. Doesn't but Halloween's it? important. Halloween is very important. Unbelievable. Norma eventually does die she has some cerebral incident months later and she dies and that's the funeral that ellie goes to and that's why ellie starts questioning things and that's why rachel opens up to lewis about zelda missy is in the book but she's young and she does a little bit of housekeeping a little bit of babysitting for them and she's not really important so she could still marry a doctor she could still marry- <laughs> she's got that, time. that's why the whole stomach pain all that shit is completely yeah. for the movie and it's 
it's I feel like she's such a poor replacement for Norma's death because she was important to the creeds. Like they were all like one big they were like grandparents to the kids. They were as close as Judd? Yeah. It's, I don't get it's it. It's a really poor substitution, but I think it's like you said, okay, we got to move this along. Let's, yeah. let's yeah. I would have watched another 30, 40 minutes to get more fleshed out characters to get Norma Crandall because it's, she's important. Mm-hmm. Moving on. <laughs> when Timmy Baderman comes back, mm-hmm. everybody knew. And he was just kind of skulking in the background for days before they decided to go and talk to his dad. Now... When they're talking to his dad, Timmy comes over and he's not some mindless Romero zombie. He's like, oh, hey, guys, did you know that your wife's cheating on you? Oh, yeah, she's with this dude and that dude. Hey, you, did you know that your kids are just pretending to love you because they think you got money? But you lost all your money back in 54, didn't you? Like, he so knows, he's got full on he knows like, everybody's powers. secrets. Yeah. And he's telling everybody's business. Dead and, good or whatever he said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he came back with all the knowledge of everything. Good. And he systematically tells everybody about themselves until they get scared and leave. What happens to Timmy and his dad is the house burns down. Mm -hmm. Judd and his friends don't pour gasoline and burn the shit down. Their house just burns down. And when they investigate, the dad killed Timmy, poured gasoline all over the house, lit a match and then killed himself because Timmy is not Timmy anymore. That is infinitely better and he's literally learning for himself. He's not just getting his ass beat by Timmy when they no. roll up on the scene. He learns for himself that dead is better. Because when they go to his house, he's like, this is my business. My boy's back. Get the fuck out of my house. Like he, it's it. There's such a progression there. Also, to speak for why the fuck Judd would let him bury Church in the first place. Yes, yes. They buried a bull up there one time when Judd was a kid. That bull came back angry and violent and had to be put down. Every other animal that came back was just a little bit weird and not quite right, but none of them were evil. So it wasn't that he knows immediately, oh, it's going to fuck up your cat. This weird thing happened one time. And Lewis, even hearing the story of Timmy Baderman, was like, and that's another thing. The grief that he goes through is obviously much more fleshed out. Right. He goes to sleep and has a dream of Gage going all the way through college, oh, marrying a girl, wow. converting to Catholicism, getting a swimming scholarship, getting married, like his whole life, and then wakes up and, oh no, Gage is still dead. That, and you could have done that in like two minutes. Yeah. And so he rationalizes to himself, okay, most of the animals came back okay. Yeah, Timmy Baderman was evil, but so was that bull. It was just one. Everything else was okay. So you see him, no, I shouldn't do this. No, I should. No, I shouldn't. No, it was just the bull. It's fine. Like you see this tug because Lewis kind of just seems like an idiot in the movie. Oh, yeah. Instead, it's like, why Judd, would you do this? Yeah. Judd is just like, I know a place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then Judd speaks to that, that, the place works in phases like the moon Mm -hmm. and so it wakes up and it goes back to sleep and right now it's awake and it called back to him you know basically he's like when you go up there that place is your secret and you just want to pass it along you just want to spread it that's how it keeps getting people basically right also the thing kind of lulls judd to sleep when he goes to try to stop he's not just an old man that falls asleep (laughs) and so i was like yeah he can pop a tire but (laughs) yeah and then when Gage comes back, he tells Judd, he's like, Timmy, he's just, guess what I saw? I saw Norma in hell. And guess what? She was cheating on you. She slept with all your friends. Like, it's 
It's bad. Just like in hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no before before. Doesn't sound like they're evil. It just sounds like they're, they're assholes. Yeah. They're well, he opens his mouth. Yeah. He opens Gossips. his mouth and Norma's voice comes out of him. Oh, like oh, it's well. like it, I did it, Judd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's much. It's just scarier that way to me. No, hundred percent. Mindless than, zombie. Uh, One last thing. Mm-hmm. Well, two last things. <laughs> One, that guy that I had mentioned, he had a friend, Steve. Yes. Steve goes to check on Lewis when he burns Judd's house down and is coming back with Rachel. And he tells his friend, I just, I have to bury her now. He's like, did he kill his wife? Oh. He doesn't know what's happening. He's like, I just have to bury her now because I just waited too long with Gage. I just, I mean... He's not talking to Pascal. He's talking to his friend. And he's like, you want to come help me? I could use a hand. And for a second, his friend's like, yeah, yeah, I'll go help him. Because the ground. Yeah. And Lewis's hair has gone completely white. His face looks haggard. He looks like an old man. But his friend comes to his senses and fucking leaves town, packs his shit and leaves. <laughs> Last thing, I swear, <laughs> um, the ending is Rachel coming in and all we hear is her voice say, darling. Mm-hmm. And Lewis kind of look up. We don't see her. He doesn't get murdered. I like that way I better. I feel like that's probably what she wanted to do. And they were like, nah, kill him. I think the thing, we know what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't need everything that's come back has been yeah. an asshole. Yeah. But that's just a couple a couple things that from the book, it's such an amazing book. And even me, obviously, spoiling all that shit for you, still go read it because <laughs> it's really good, especially if you like this movie, which I guess was the question that I asked. <laughs> I do like this movie. Um, I really love this movie. I have for most of my life, yeah. honestly. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's stuff that they could have done, all this stuff that I just, ranted about right now and that does leave some holes that don't right. really make a lot of sense but and i know we can't judge this against the no book. of course it's not. more you yeah. know this is an adaptation but we're judging the film on its own but it is a lot of stuff that honestly typically speaking which is what really shocks me is i think if anybody else had written this screenplay stephen king might have said something about He'd it probably be negatively off. no so yeah. i'm very confused yeah that, i it's very shocking uh. to me so I guess that brings us to ratings, <laughs> and I've wrestled with mine for really? a few days now. Yeah, because, I mean, for all the stuff I said, because, mm-hmm. um, but I think it just comes down to, it's a good horror movie. Zelda is still scary as fuck, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it still makes you ask questions about yourself. Like, yeah, we want to judge Lewis and be like, what an idiot, but like... What would you do? If you have this at your fingertips and there's even a chance... Yeah. Maybe would you try it? You know what I mean? And the nostalgia factor. I've I've watched this movie my whole life. Yeah. So all that taken into consideration on a scale from one to ten speeding Orinko trucks, <laughs> I'm going to give Pet Cemetery seven out of ten speeding Orinko trucks. And I will now open up the floor. Um. I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I I wanted to give this movie a little more because of, you know, me liking the movie mm-hmm. and watching it. Right. 
But the more and more we sat here and talked, the more I watched. When I watched the movie again, there was a lot of questions. <laughs> and then you elaborating more on the book and what happened in there and then compared to the... And I know we can't, but... No. I mean, at the same time, but it's, it's like... like yeah, knowing it's like, damn, that I could have had that. Been <laughs> and better. a Wendigo? Yeah. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> Do not but, get me started. Yeah, that uh, some of the things would have been better mm-hmm. to see in the movie. You know, to have certain things. But on... You know, us discussing it and more and more, and I have to agree with you. I have to give this movie seven speeding Orinko trucks. <laughs> it's just out of ten. It just, it is, and I do, I will still always like the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. But there is a lot of questions. Like, there is a lot of, and then like you said, the shot, they, it still shows them there. Just lazy. Like, you couldn't so have, lazy. like, took them out, or you couldn't have, hey, guys, back up a little bit. Yeah, we need a we solo just need shot. A, just yeah. zoom in a little bit. Come on. So, I mean, I, I agree with both of you. There is the nostalgic factor there. Although, like I said at the top, this didn't stick to my bones like the It miniseries did. Oh, like, man. Like, that feels way closer to my childhood than this does, but... I think, honestly, it's a good horror movie. You can watch it, you know, enjoy it. There are a lot of holes. <laughs> there, They do speed through the plot. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, Too fast. Seriously, yeah. I was not joking when I said spark notes. Yeah. This is just to get you through the test, this movie. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I think the thing that brings my score down a little bit is the fact that you had an opportunity not just to ask that question of what would you do, mm-hmm. but to really explore grief in a very mm-hmm. human way. And again, not comparing it to the book, the fact that they did that in the book is fantastic and it's what they should have done for the movie. For sure. But they kind of cheapened something very big, a big concept that's really important that they really could have dug into. Yeah. No pun intended. (laughs) And, you know, I would probably bump this movie's score up by a point if there was a Wendigo present. (laughs) (laughs) But since there is not... Regrettably. Regrettably. I'm going to have to give Pet Cemetery six speeding Orinko trucks out of ten. That's fair. Still a great movie. Dropped some balls. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. And one of them is Wendigo shaped. Don't even. (laughs) I could go on for another hour about the damn Wendigo, so I'll. Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Pet Cemetery, and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at Real Streeter eighty four, and at Travis MWH. And remember, sometimes dead is better. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>